Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. And here I was, like some kind of moron, planning to record today's show after the free agency period actually began. Now I know better. My levels seem a little bit weird. Don't worry, I'll fix those. We'll get it all squared away. Uh, Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. It's Thursday. It's free agency day. There's going to be all kinds of insane stuff coming down the pike. But the most insane has already happened. I don't think anything can happen in the next few hours. And by the way, if I have to, I'll do another show later on tonight. Uh, Worst case scenario, we'll do one tomorrow morning. As I've said throughout the week... I'm writing all this stuff down as it happens in chronological order, and we're just going to do, we'll just cover them piece by piece until we get through all of it. I don't know how many days it's going to take, but I'm only doing like 25, 30-minute shows in the offseason. I'm not just going to do one random 60-minuter. We got too many shows left to do. I got to spread the wealth around. And certainly the big news of the morning is the Kevin Durant stuff. The big news from yesterday in the afternoon was the DeJounte Murray stuff. And then we did, prior to me hitting the record button here, get a couple other pieces of news, namely some New York Knicks-level tampering, basically that Jalen Brunson is going to sign in New York, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who we just talked about. Was that yesterday's podcast? I think that might have been recently as, as yesterday. Is out for four to six months with a stress fracture. Four months, by the way, would put him back about two weeks into the NBA season. And we know JJJ, and we know the Grizzlies. He ain't coming back two weeks into the NBA season. We'll get updates on him, I'm sure, as we get closer. But well, hold off. We'll talk about JJJ in just a little bit here. Uh, first of all, you can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I hope that you will. Uh, maybe there's somebody that's tuning in today that hasn't tuned in before. Or maybe some of you are coming back after... Uh, some off-season months here because today's a, an interesting day. So also do check out Ethos Fantasy BK. They'll have updates on everything breaking in the NBA throughout the rest of today and everything else in free agency, and it's got news and stats and updates and all that good stuff. So please do check that out. Let's get rolling. Uh, and I'm going to go in chronological order, even though I'd love to start with the Kevin Durant news. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, it actually it's sort of non-news right now because we don't know where he's going, but we still have to at least touch on it. And I'm sure I'm going to get into some kind of rant on it. But the first thing is DeJounte Murray. Yesterday, Wednesday afternoon, DeJounte Murray was traded to the Atlanta Hawks. And listen, I'll admit, a couple weeks ago when that story started to break, I said, I don't think this dude's going anywhere. This seems crazy. But now everybody's into tank mode because the draft class for next year features some franchise changers at the top. And the Spurs just went ahead and... Got a whole bunch of stuff. Three first-rounders and a swap. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is on his way to San Antonio. Sounds like he'll probably be bought out at some point. Uh, So we don't have to worry about that. What this trade does do, the ramifications on uh, on both sides are pretty extreme, actually. First, we'll start with the Hawks, who got rid of Gallo, who played 25 minutes a game this last year, took nine shots a ball game. Nothing. They got rid of nothing, and they added a dude who was one of the top usage guys 
in the NBA. DeJounte Murray, nine assists and 18 shots per ball game, plus three and a half free throws per game. He was up there in the uppermost echelon of guys who have the ball in their hands. You know who else is in that grouping? Trey Young, who took 20 shots per game and had almost 10 assists per ball game. And I get it. I'm not going to drop the the foolish old adage that there's only one basketball on you guys. But look, at the end of the day, there is only one basketball. Only one guy can get the assist on any given bucket. And it's not like Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are just going to be passing the ball back and forth to each other. There are other guys on the court as well. Those guys are going to take shots, which up until this moment, their shot had been almost exclusively created by Trey Young. That's how he ended up with 10 assists per ball game, and the rest of the team ended up with like 15 combined, or whatever it was. I'm sure it was one or two more than that. And that's the same general story in San Antonio, where John J. Murray had nine assists per ball game, second highest number on that team. Uh, well, you know, Derek White not on the team at the end of the year, but the second highest number was Trey Jones, the backup point guard, at 3.4 assists per game. And his was really only that high because he had like 15 fill-in games for DeJounte Murray, which will bring us to another point in a minute. But the first thing here is folks are going to contort themselves into every possible form of pretzel to try to explain how... Trey Young and DeJounte Murray don't take fantasy hits from this. But look, Occam's Razor, folks, the simplest solution is often the correct one. How many times have we seen, and I'm not going to call all of these guys superstars. It doesn't really matter what my nomenclature is for the player. How many times have we seen ultra-high usage guys come together and negative fantasy impact not take place? Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Almost zero times. DeMar DeRozan is probably the only example of someone who went from a place where he was getting a lot of usage to a place where we thought he might take a little usage hit and didn't take that usage hit. Almost inexplicably so in Chicago. You thought for sure Zach Levine was going to eat into DeMar and it just didn't happen. It did go the other way. Levine and Vooch each took hits with DeMar coming to town, but DeRozan somehow didn't take the hit. These guys will. And I would venture to say Trey Young probably takes the bigger of those hits, although I guess it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. 
they're probably both getting overdrafted now as we look towards next year, which is a shame because a couple weeks ago I said, look, I think Trey Young is going to be a relatively safe grab where he's at. I didn't see this massive trade coming. Not that many people did until the reports of it got broken last week. But as I kept saying, I've been saying it for two years, the the Hawks need to find a way to not make Trey Young responsible for every single thing they do on offense. Now he won't be. He won't have to take 20 shots per ball game. He won't have to dole out 10 assists per ball game. He can still get his free throws. You know, his turnovers probably come down. But look, this comes back to adage, lesson learned number one every single year. Usage is value. And there's just simply no way that Murray and Trey can keep their usage where it was last year when you move them to the same team. Neither one of them had a high usage player playing alongside of them last year. Bogdan Bogdanovich took 12 and a half shots per game for Atlanta. He was the closest usage guy on a day-to-day basis to Trey Young. For the Spurs, as we've already mentioned, they really didn't have one. It was Derek White for a little bit. He got traded, and then it was Keldon Johnson. I think maybe Keldon might have even been ahead of him before that. But in any event, Keldon took 13 and a half shots but didn't really pass at all. He was the recipient. The reason I think Trey Young maybe takes the bigger hit between the two is because at least with DeJounte Murray, he'll keep getting, let's assume their minutes stay pretty much the same. The looks for both guys probably get a little bit better on the offensive end, certainly for Murray, who had minimal help around him, and can rebound, get steals, things like that, things that you can still float without having the basketball in your hands. We saw what happens to Trey Young when the basketball wasn't in his hands every second of every ballgame. Not this year when he was number 11, but all you got to do is go back one season. The Hawks tried to get other people involved last year. Bogdan handled the ball some. Herder, Hunter had it some. They had Cam Reddish last the previous year. Trey took 18 shots per game, and his value dropped from number 11 to number 54. And admittedly, he shot 44% instead of 46, so yeah, that did play a factor. But with Trey Young, usage is everything. It's all of his value. He doesn't get defensive stats. He doesn't rebound. Everything he does is tied up in super high-volume free throws, scoring, and assists. And not even three-pointers that much. He added another one of those this season, so more so that. But that's the same issue again. Shots. He needs the ball. He needs passing. He needs shots. If you take any of that stuff away, it negatively impacts almost every single thing about his fantasy game, which is relatively typical for a player in the NBA. If you take away their usage, you're going to take away a lot of their value. Again, with DeJounte Murray, you do have those little buffers of extraordinary rebounding guard. Who, by the way, will be on a team with some better rebounders around him. He did have Jakob Pertl, but now you've got on the Hawks, you've got John Collins, you've got Clint Capella, Aniko Kongwu is okay. He'll be coming off the bench. Trey himself is going to try to grab a couple. That, again, Murray didn't really have to contend with last year, but let's just call that a wash. The steals is where DeJounte can buttress a drop-off in value. Still, it's going to happen. We saw it with Levine. We saw it with Vooch. We saw it with Braun. We saw it with Wade. We saw it with Bosch. We've seen it every time stars come together. There's some kind of drop-off. The only time you don't see 
as majestic a drop-off is with a guy like Kevin Durant, who can just go ahead and shoot like 56% and get steals and block shots and rebound, and he can increase his passing when he goes with another player, things like that. Yeah. The other note on that, of course, is that KD, if you're like, oh, well, look, he still put up gigantic numbers even on the Warriors. He put up gigantic numbers on the Nets. KD's always kind of had a running mate. We've never seen Kevin Durant, and listen, we'll get to him in a minute here. We've never seen Kevin Durant as the only guy for a season. We've seen him for little stretches, and it's pretty unbelievable. What KD does, he's always done with a star running mate. We've never seen Trey Young. We've never seen DeJounte Murray with a star running mate. So drop DeJounte Murray onto a Hawks team where you're basically not eliminating anything other than Gallo's extremely low usage role on the club, and everybody just gets pummeled. Murray's value goes down. Trey's value goes down. Collins' value goes down. Capella's value goes down. Bogdan's value goes down. Okongwu's value goes down. Herder's. It's everybody. You drop in a guy who's getting 19 shots a game and handle the basketball in almost every possession for his team, and he's going to impact every single player where he goes. Guys like Collins and Capella, they have a better shot at, again, withstanding because they didn't need a ton of shots to get their stuff. Collins has good percentages in both. Capella's a field goal percent guy, rebounding guy. DeJounte Murray might impact his rebounding. This crushes the Atlanta Hawks. I went from a team where I thought we might have a chance to target two, three guys on draft day to a team where I doubt I'm targeting anyone on draft day. And I may soften my stance between now and then. I may soften my stance to look at someone like a John Collins or a Clint Capella, depending on what we hear leading up to the season. But as of today, I hate what this does to the Hawks' fantasy appeal. On the inverse side of the equation, I love what it does to the Spurs' fantasy appeal, provided you are not in a head-to-head league, because the Spurs have a very, very clearly telegraphed. They're in tank mode. They're in hard tank mode. <laughs> I mean, it is... Woof. They are going, they are going into it, and... Nothing, there's, <laughs> there's nothing that they're going to do. I mean, they, like, you take away DeJounte Murray, and you've got some young guys, and that's it. They're going to be attempting to lose ball games. So the end of the season is going to be rough. They're also going to have some pre-tank. They're going to give guys a lot of rest days. That said, if you're in a Roto Games-capped format, there's a lot of stuff to like about the Spurs, who just renounced Lonnie Walker in one of those moves that we were basically going to gloss over later on, but it does eliminate one more person on the roster. But for the Spurs, this is a huge bump, to especially the young guys. Devin Vassell, monster bump. Yeah, he'll get his rest days, he'll get his time off, huge bump. Keldon Johnson gets a nice bump, because this just means more looks for him, and he's a guy who needs usage we saw it at the end of the year he actually finished the season pretty strong and that was with DeJounte Murray on the roster I'm a little worried about trades for a guy like Jakob Pertl this is a contract year for him uh, but and actually frankly losing DeJounte Murray is is not good for Pertl because he's going to need somebody to get him the basketball near the rim his value you could probably just call mostly unchanged he is a risk to get traded or shut down to be sure but as you look at 
Vassell, Keldon Johnson, the guys that are expected to do a little bit of scoring here. You can also look at kind of a, a handful of guys like Josh Primo, Trey Jones, who might step in and, and fill in for Murray. My fear with that is you get a little bit of that OKC Thunder thing where like the Spurs don't fully trust any of those guys to run the point. So they'll just be rotating in and out. And, you know, you might have Trey Jones play 22 minutes one game and then 30 the next. Uh, but he's a guy to look at as a late round grab. And then Vassell and Keldon Johnson, those are guys you're going to want to look at much earlier in your fantasy draft. So they get really nice bumps in the positive direction. And the sky's the limit. I mean, we'll we'll handicap all of this more as we get closer to the start of the season and after free agency sort of rolls in a little bit harder here, which, by the way, is just starting now as we get to this point of the, of the show. But right now, uh, you could look at, you know, the last... Whatever it was for San Antonio, you can look at like the last 20 games of the season and Kelton Johnson was a top 55 guy. Devin Vassell was number 64 in that stretch. That was with DeJounte Murray around. Kelton Johnson was taking 16 shots a game. If he just gets back to that number, you're in business. Devin Vassell is only taking a dozen. That probably goes up. His fantasy game translates really well, especially if his field goal percent improves in any meaningful way or even a small way, frankly. And then with Trey Jones, you know, you'll, you'll get the assists, but we didn't see a whole lot else from him last year. I think he's going to be a popular guy on draft day, and I do think there's, from, just from a stat set standpoint, doesn't shoot the three ball that much. Defensive stats were not huge for him, although they could come around a little more playing time. I'd be more inclined to take the guys that are a bit more trustworthy that we've kind of already seen do some of that good stuff. And now we got to talk about KD. I know there's Jalen Brunson, JJJ. Uh, we're starting to get other stuff rolling in. Hartenstein to the Knicks, things of that nature. You know, we'll we'll pile a whole bunch of that into tomorrow's show, which will come uh, earlier. That'll be in the morning tomorrow. Um, plus, I got to line all these things up in chronological order. But let, let's talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets right now, because Kyrie opting into his contract earlier in this week did make it seem like things had kind of settled and then in Brooklyn. And then this morning, Kevin Durant asks out. And this could mean any one of a bunch of things. We've heard that his preferred destinations are the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat. And if that happens, if he goes to Phoenix, then you've got to figure that DeAndre Ayton is headed back to Brooklyn in a sign-in trade. You've got to figure Mikel Bridges is probably on the move in such a deal. If it's Miami, we've heard that maybe that's Bam Adebayo, but then they'd that there's a contractual thing related to Ben Simmons on that front. You know, we can't really handicap this from a fantasy standpoint yet, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But obviously, KD going to Phoenix, Brooklyn wants Devin Booker coming back. That's the kind of thing that could really mess with fantasy values. Probably more so on the Brooklyn side, because more guys are going to come back than go, at least like in terms of NBA-ready players, and could Kevin Durant exist on a team with Chris Paul? I don't know. What a, what a, what a pandemonium here with the Brooklyn Nets this week. First it was Kyrie's out, then it's Kyrie's back, now Kevin Durant is out. I'm surprised we have this much free agent stuff going on before we have a landing spot for Kevin Durant, but we do, and so let me actually jump... 
Oh, man. Let's jump straight to the JJJ stuff, because that broke right around the same time as the Jalen Brunson thing, and technically Brunson broke uh, before the, the free agency stuff came in. JJJ is out with a right foot stress fracture for four to six months, and we just talked about the Grizzlies yesterday. They're going to have no choice but to bring in someone else to play a bit of power forward because they can't give all of those minutes to Brandon Clark. But you guys remember, because it was just one day ago, I came on this show and I said Brandon Clark was one of my favorite dark horse targets for this coming season. The problem now is that there's, it's no longer in the dark. He's a bright, shimmering horse. JJJ isn't there to shield him. Because JJJ is the starting power forward was going to get his 30 minutes, and Brandon Clark were like, well, you know, outside the top 120 over the course of the whole season, people probably forgot that he was a top 90 to 100 guy for basically the last four months of the year after a slow start. Great for Roto. Could he get up to 24 minutes with slow-mo off the books? Well, now they might bring him back, but frankly, no one should really care. Brandon Clark is in position to take a massive jump forward, even if JJJ does come back a month, month and a half into the season. I still like Clark, and I don't think it'd be that insane to go grab him at like the end of the seventh round in drafts this year. This is the time. They need him to go big. He's going to have no choice. I don't think the, the Grizzlies are really going to have almost no choice but to play Brandon Clark like 25 or more minutes per ball game. And we've seen he is a force at that number of minutes. You can go back and you can look at his game-by-game -game breakdown and look at some of the games where he logged 25 or more. Uh, you know, He had plenty of decent games where he was playing like 20 or 21, but the 25ers... Those are the ones where you saw 22 points on 9 out of 12 shooting, 18-7 and 3 steals and a block. He had a 32-minute game in mid-February where he went for uh, 16 points, 6 boards, 2 assists, a steal, and 3 block shots. Like, Brandon Clark has a legitimate chance, while JJJ is out at least, to be a top 40 fantasy player over whatever that timeline might be. It might be two weeks, it might be two months, but then you roll that in with whatever he ends up doing the rest of the year, and you're going to end up with a solid value. So the JJJ thing, pretty easy line. You can draw straight to Brandon Clark. I'm both excited and pissed because I thought we were going to get Brandon Clark kind of on the cheap when this news hadn't happened because he was still the backup. But he was a backup on a team that lost one of the other backups, so he was going to get to peel off two or three extra minutes, and that was going to be what we needed to get him from that 100 range up to like 80 or 85, 80, something like that. And now he's going to have to peel off way more. The chunks, the chunks are coming fast and furious for Brandon Clark, who I just adore as a fantasy grab going into next season, and we'll talk more once we know his ADP. Last thing I want to talk about on today's show before we roll all the other stuff, or a lot of it, into tomorrow's show is Jalen Brunson heading to New York, who we saw when Luca was out, Brunson was terrific. When Luca was in, Brunson was less terrific. He's one of the most efficient scoring, one of the most efficient guards in the NBA. I'm a bit worried about what, how Julius Randle impacts Brunson. But here's the thing. He took just under 13 shots per game last year with the Mavericks. That number is going up, and for him, you know, we talked about Trey Young, usage is everything. 
I would argue it's even more so with Jalen Brunson because he's good at both percentages, meaning every single time he touches the basketball, that's positive. He's a positive field goal percent guy. He's a positive free throw guy with relatively low turnovers. That number probably go up along with assists. He has an opportunity to make a flying leap forward on a new team. I mean, let's just even say, you know, what if he takes, what do you think, 10, 15% more shots? I think, I think that's sort of a low estimate. But if you add three points to his ledger, two and a half, three points to his ledger, you're talking about a guy that could be at 19 points and six and a half assists with, you know, one and a half threes on great percentages. That's a top 65, 70 guy. And that's to me, is one of the most conservative estimates for what he does in his new destination when he's not getting buried behind Luka and his 21 and a half shots and nine assists per ballgame. Because we know Dallas's offense was all Luka. Unfortunately, Brunson's also going to be a hot commodity on draft day. Probably more so than Brandon Clark, who we just talked about a moment ago. But you have to at least give him a look, even if there's an adjustment period. And maybe the move with a guy like Brunson is let someone else go and draft him at 55 or 60 and then buy on him for a top 75 guy when Brunson gets out of the gate slowly as he adjusts to his new team. We have so much more coming on free agency. First thing tomorrow, we'll roll a bunch of stuff together. We'll try to lightning round it a little bit on Friday's show. Uh, wanted to get this one out because there were some big things that broke in the morning and early afternoon. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Sports Ethos presentation. I'm Dan Vespers. Enjoy the rest of free agency. Go nuts. I'll be over on Twitter trying to break some stuff down over there, and we'll talk to you Friday morning. So long, everybody.